uh, crap, that's start again. Okay. <laughs> Just cut that one. <laughs> Hang on, let me... <laughs> I've got the... I've got the corpse now. Welcome to the Connect More podcast in which we discuss the seemingly random, seeking out tips and strategies for living a healthier, happier life. Join me, Dave Algio, and co-host Dave Minchella as we find the hidden connections in, well, just about anything. On with the show. Hello and welcome to episode one. I'm Dave Algio and with me is my partner in crime... David Minchella. Hello, Dave. How you doing, man? Thank I'm good, man. I'm good. I've just been thinking since we recorded our episode zero, mm-hmm. um, we, we've obviously got a few guests lined up, but we yes. kind of decided to have a couple of episodes <laughs> after episode zero because we just want to indulge ourselves here a bit, of don't course. we? Let's be right. Let's, that's a bit of self-indulgent shite for a couple <laughs> of episodes and then get into the proper stuff. That's no, what we do really, best talk. What, hey? That's what we do best is talk. Well, that's right. You're very, very true. We can talk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. But, the idea is to really kind of build on, a, build a foundation for the conversations because we were talking about, well, what is the what is the real focus of the podcast? Firstly, there is no focus. Let's just clarify that. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it's about the connections uh, that we make back to human behavior. That's right. But when we were talking about what really, really fascinates me, and I thought this would be where we could riff a little bit on both mm-hmm. our experiences and what have you. What really fascinates me is the stories we tell ourselves. I suppose that's the headline title, if you like, for me. What are we telling ourselves in our heads about ourselves, the world, other people, how and why other people treat us the way they do or behave with each other the way they do? What are the stories we tell ourselves? And that's that's what fascinates me because uh, the stories we tell ourselves need not actually reflect reality. Absolutely agree. But what is reality? That's a big question. Maybe we don't get into that. I don't know. We need to get a philosopher on. That'll be the next guest for that. What is reality? Difference between reality and dreams. Are we living in a dream? Are we living in a reality? Who knows? Uh, Well, exactly. Or a simulation. (laughs) That sound you hear, listeners, is every other person's brain exploding at that one moment we just said that. (laughs) I know. But that's what... It's always fascinated me that, you know, I set myself a goal or an ambition or a whatever, and... I can, it's, all, it's almost like I then create this story around it and that story can be positive and help me towards it or can really, really just get in the way and, and muck mm. up the gears, you know. And gr- I some, totally agree. Some muck into the gears and knack it up, basically. So totally that was agree. kind of where I was thinking, that's what fascinates me and that's where I think a lot of my questions are likely to start heading whenever mm-hmm. we speak to people. Mm-hmm. I think um, now we, we say about the stories we tell ourselves, I think we can go a little even bit simpler than that. It's just the statements, the, you know, sometimes those one sentence statements we tell ourselves about things in our life mm. to get us through. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, denial is not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> you can have that for free, listeners. That's yours. Bad jokes as well. Eh? <laughs> and there we go. We start, we start at the one. We start them all. That sometimes it is for our own self-protection. Now, not for one minute am I saying that denial is necessarily a good thing because in certain therapies and certain interventions, we actually find that suppression, avoidance, denial is great in the short term, but actually really toxic in the long term. Right. And we need to use that all that from borrowing from dialectical baby uh, therapy of 
acceptance and change. Sometimes you have to accept what, what it is. Absolutely full-bodied, 100% accept whatever it is that's going on. Because if you don't, you'll only prolong your own suffering. Now, you may have that feeling of pain, awkwardness, whatever it may we want to call it. But until you accept that whatever it is, is there, if you live in perpetual denial, the suffering is only, only going to continue. Now, this is very easy for me to say at this moment in time. You know, oh, David, what if, you know, uh, what if I get a jail sentence? Did you tell me you accept the jail sentence? Well, I'm not saying, I'm saying that in, in those such harsh terms, but when acceptance is made, there is a form of peace. There's something around Buddhism and, you know, philosophy about acceptance, which I'm not, not, not versed enough to talk about. But the, I can kind of appreciate and I kind of see that, that line of accepting things that you may have no control over will help you at least manage whatever difficulty or suffering that you're going through at that time. And, we, and there we have it. There's, there's, a, there's the early start of the stories we tell ourselves. You know. You've actually touched a bit of a, a rich vein for me on this, uh, on that one, yes. because I've been thinking about this, funnily enough, today. Um, yeah, I, do, yeah, yeah. I, do, I do some journaling every day. Oh, yeah. Um, and one of the things that I kind of... I, I've been playing with this metaphor for um, um, social connections of, of an mm. aircraft, you know, flying long haul. I've seen you know, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lockdown situation that we're in, we feel like we're possibly on this long haul flight, and it's our engines, the the social connections, and the uh, different engines that keep us in the air. So I won't mm-hmm. go into that metaphor now. Maybe tease that apart. But you know, your different engines. You, what engine one is your intimate and close relationships. Engine mm-hmm. two, your wider circle of friends and family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. One of the things I was thinking was, <clears throat> you get on that plane with your luggage and your luggage are your thoughts and the stories about yourself. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And this is where I have a problem with positive thinking or not, not positive thinking, the take on positive thinking, the problematic take on problem, Ooh, yeah, cool positive thinking. Yeah. I think in that think positive thoughts, tell yourself this, say a mantra and you'll think differently and change your thoughts. Mm-hmm. But it's a bit like getting on the plane with a big, heavy lo- bit of luggage that, you know, it, it's weighing down. It's going to take extra fuel because it's oversized. It's, you know, it's a massive mm-hmm. thing. And that's your belief about yourself. And it doesn't matter what you say to yourself whilst you're on that flight. Apologies, I'll just turn my notifications off there now. Two seconds. It doesn't matter what you say to yourself in that, on that flight. You've still got that luggage there. So you can be as positive as you like. You're still carrying this heavy, heavy load around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and... Part of that is that, you know, whatever you say to yourself, if you are, if your belief, that narrative that you have about yourself is so deeply rooted and all you're doing is covering over the cracks with some positive talk, you're not dealing with that. You're not removing it, you're not challenging it, whatever. And that's where I was thinking about this, the acceptance thing, funnily enough, that I think that is is positive thinking in that sense that delusional mm-hmm. positive thing because I, mm-hmm. I i kind of differentiate and i don't know you know this is not like a technical term it's just my kind of way of thinking about it you've got pragmatic positive thinking which is right things are shit okay let's get real what can i do to make it less shit or even solve it so that it's not shit at all i agree that's pragmatic I agree. thinking right yeah 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 and part of that might be acceptance within that because you know what things are shit let's just let's make me stay here <laughs> a little bit more positive you know or delusional thinking which mm-hmm. positive thinking which is deny that you're even in the shit 
Yes. Do you know what I mean? There you go. Um, there we are. And for me, the that second bit, that delusional positive thinking isn't getting to that root cause or dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you mm-hmm. ac- if you build in some acceptance, it, it's a you're kind of acknowledging that um, the problem is there and you can tackle it. So l- let me take this metaphor maybe a little bit too far, but you've got one, you've got your dashboard as the pilot of your plane in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One of the dials is this self-talk dial and currently it's in the red because it's, it's saying, you're saying nasty things to yourself about yourself, for example. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Positive delusional thinking or delusional positive thinking for me is that you are ignoring that dial and pretending it's not there and you're just trying to fly the plane despite the fact it's in the red and it's burning more energy. You're going through your fuel quicker and actually you're just not flying effectively and safely. Mm. Mm. And is that not just another form of maladaptive coping, just like drinking to numb the emotions and the feelings? Is it like working on and on and on to do, rather than facing that relationship breakdown at home or gambling or acting out or any of these maladaptive coping strategies that men in particular, but all of us can engage in to deny the truth? Do you know what I mean? Is positive mm-hmm. thinking in that sense, that delusional pseudo-scientific positive thinking stuff, just a way of denying the fact that I need to pay attention to that dial? Positive, pragmatic, positive thinking for me is to say, right, what's that dial saying? Flipping hell, it's in the red. Let's get real. We better take some action about that. What do I do? Get I like real. that. You I get like off that. automatic pilot and you start flying the plane, taking into account that that dial, we're burning through our fuel pretty dramatically here. And what I mean by that, I guess, is our psychological fuel. I'm mixing a load of metaphors here. <laughs> um, I tend to do this during a talk. I kind of have an idea and then sort of... But no, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to take that and refine it ever so slightly. <laughs> Positive, pragmatic thinking. That's what it should be, though. You're right. Pos- I'm, I'm all for positive thinking. I think, yeah. you know, it can help. Positive self-talk is a very powerful yes. tool. Yeah. Really powerful tool. It can put you in a position of what would once be fear to now comfort. You know, positive realisation, positive visualisation, sorry, not visualisation. But at the end of the day, there has to be some pragmatism within. Mm. And I think that's, you've nailed it there. Positive pragmatic thinking is something that is far healthier and f- uh, far more useful and effective than any ideological stuff, you know, that's sort of great to have idealism. Mm. Uh, but it's not... It's not going to work if it's, you know, I'm sure we'd all love to fly, but I'm not going to, if I, if I wish it enough, I'm not going to be able to superman it from the floor to space. You know, it's just not going to happen. But if I wanted to fly, I could learn, I could learn yeah. to pilot a plane. Take your analogy there, you know? I think that's important because when I talk about acceptance and change there, sometimes it's about accepting something so that then we then can change it. Because if something's bothering you and you're denial of whatever that uncomfortable um, thing is, that uncomfortable phenomena, well, then I might want to change those phenomena. At that number, I'll go, right, well, that, that and that is all actually here. And for me to change those things, I have to accept that they're there. And I'm only going to be able to do it by... So solving or resolving number one and then number two and then number three and then they're done but to change those uncomfortable things in front of me i have to accept that they're there in the first place i can't not um give them some allowance yeah so it could be you know uh you want to lose weight or you want to earn more money or you want to have a nice car or a better job or whatever you know there are times when 
it's all have it's all great having positive self talk. You go into an interview, you know, it could be I'm I know in the the self talk could be I know my my craft, uh, I know that this industry is like this, and I know that this job is going to be like that. I can do this, in because that in itself in a very in a very simple way, counteracts the negative thoughts. You're not going to do it. It's too, yeah. it's too scary, this. Yeah, yeah. And then that's where we go into fear. And f- feeling scared of something is fine, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Fear is fear. It is not a problem. It's an emotion that tells you something. It is the freezing from that fear that is the problem. And... I think that that book is it. What is it? That book is a feel the fear and do it anyway. Is that yeah? Is that right? But I think it's where it, we shouldn't let you know. We shouldn't be worrisome of our emotions or necessarily let them control our lives. It is just some it, the, an emotion is telling us something about a reaction within ourselves, or you know, happiness, sadness, anger, guilt. They're all there for a reason. Often it is to tell us how how we feel about something or to aid us in telling other people how we feel. Mm. We're a social animal after all. And it's important that we are able to communicate that to somebody, Mm. you know, totally agree. I think there's a few things. Firstly, feelings in general, Mm. Um, feelings and emotions are the signals and the data aren't they? They tell you that that are there to alert you some or amplify something, I guess. And we, you know, are we conditioned to think that certain emotions are bad? Yeah. And we shouldn't, you know, we should try and not experience them. And that's where I, I guess I come from, a, from this idea of the delusional positivity is that like any bad feeling like anger or sadness is, you know, it's negative. You're going to attract more to you, blah, blah, blah. And actually mm-hmm. what we need to do is kind of firstly, just notice it, notice what mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. check out mm-hmm. what it might be telling us. Is it telling us anything useful? Cause let's be right. They can mislead us, can't they? We can feel yes, angry yes. Um, and we can attribute it to something that, that actually mm-hmm. didn't deserve that, you know, no, yeah. you know, tell, tell somebody off or snap at somebody. And actually it's because you stubbed your toe around the corner 10 minutes before. Whatever yeah, it is. Exactly. There's a lot, we can misattribute it, but it's, it, it's there. So rather than judging it, that kind of acceptance that it's there and then, then the bigger, the next step, or, or do, at any point, we can then divert into positive thinking, which is almost like a denial or a delusion of it. Denial again, but delusion, like a denial of the of the fact that you've experienced it, because somehow doing that acknowledges it exists, and therefore it's mm. you know mm. my life is rubbish. Whereas if we just accept it, acknowledge it, accept it, we can then experience it, but experience it in in a in a safer, more productive way mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. respond, responding from it in a way that maybe because we've, we're, we're focusing on the emotion, how we shouldn't have it, which amplifies it or whatever, you know, we might suppression. lash out even more. Yeah, like, we don't do that. We don't yeah, I feel angry. One of the things is funny, like my daughter Rosie, she's, she's at an age now, she's five, and she's, mm-hmm. she's talking about, I'm having bad thoughts. I'm having an, like a, a thought and it's it's – she's been asking i think that the theme of the coronavirus knocking about and all that is mm. just making her think and probably think about people dying and stuff like that and yeah it's something i'm i'm not really sure how best to deal with it but one of the things that she does sometimes say when she's lying in bed is i've just had about i'm having a bad thinking and it's mm. because a friend is she's thinking about a friend not being well or something like that mm-hmm. and one of the things that, that 
temptation is to say, oh, don't think that. You know, the instinct mm, is, don't mm, think that, don't don't worry mm. about it, it's not going to happen, all that kind of thing. But is that, yeah, that yeah. me putting on to her the same kind of thing that I was conditioned, whatever, or we're all generally conditioned to do, or what I'm trying to play with is the idea, look, your thoughts will come and go, and I don't use that, I say, oh, those thinking will come and go, why don't you imagine and pretend there's a window in your head and just open the window and let it out, because it'll come and go. And mm. And I don't know if that helps, but for me, it's a little bit more realistic that your thinking does come your feelings do come and go you know and they can be triggered or stimulated by things but they come mm-hmm. and if we can let them they go and that's where i guess some of the mindfulness practice that that and you mentioned buddhism i guess i'm not an expert on buddhism either by a long shot but you know the idea of being mindful is is the paying attention without judgment yes whatever yes. in the moment i was just thinking that i was just thinking that dave yeah. I was t- the <clears throat> excuse me something i want to Talk about your, your your daughter there, but you've used the window. Yeah. Now, when I've um, been in discussions about mindfulness and I've read up on the different uses and what have you, for, I'm, I'm by, again, I'm by no means an expert in this, but I've, I've in the work that I've done and looked at and researched and how it's and the interventions that are used, I really like these two, and these actually come from uh, the Dialectical Behavior Therapy Manual, right? And one of, and again, it's not not something that um you know i'm telling everyone on here because i'm not you know a, f- a fully qualified practitioner but i think these two these two exercises are really useful now one of them is that you know if you think that you may have you know i don't know a, a million thoughts in 24 hours and <clears throat> you have this that uncomfortable thought there right at the forefront of your mind well that's okay because that's all right to have a thought there. There'll be another one to pass it, you know, to come to come through soon and that'll go away and it'll be replaced by the next one. And it's okay to have those there. They are, they are okay to be there because eventually another one will come take its place. And there's one, and to sort of outline that, uh, an example is imagine your, your really strong visualization technique is imagine you're sat on a hillside and on the, your far right is a tunnel and your far left is a tunnel. And then running through that tunnel is a train track. And the train is pulling all these different carriages, but actually each carriage is a different thought. And you get to see the thought as it passes you. But then it's passed you, another one takes its place. It passes you, another one takes its place. And these thoughts do happen. You may have some negative ones, you may have some positive ones, but when you focus on the positive ones, you're holding that at the forefront of your mind and it's going to stay around more. You're going to be trying to wrestle with it. If you accept that it's there, eventually it will pass and another one take its place. Mm. Uh, I think I quite, and, and those, that, that way of, of thinking, I think is useful because we have, you know, everybody has some issue around where they regret something or, and I, because I, I'll tell you now, I don't believe people who say, I have no regrets. Well, okay, I, Fair enough, if you, if you think that, but I find it hard to believe because I think if you don't have regrets and have you really learned from anything, you know, everyone makes mistakes, no one is perfect. And there will be a chance where you think, well, actually, I did, I did do this when I, I did do X, I did do Y when I was younger and I do regret doing that, I wish I hadn't done that. But again, it's about us learning from those mistakes. But anyway, back to my point. We, you have that uncomfortable thought, that uncomfortable feeling, and it will be there. For whatever reason, for the worrying about, you know, 
people dying or the coronavirus or not having a job or how angry you are at a co-worker, boss, someone else who cut you up in traffic, whatever. That will pass. And then a new, a new thought will be there soon. And it's about letting those thoughts come and go. Like, you know, they're going out of the sea, tide goes in, tide goes out. And it's, um, sound very therapy done. Some people are thinking this going, what is he on about? But that's, that's how you have to sometimes appreciate and accept that word again, that these types of thoughts will happen. Yeah. And it, it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it's, a, it's a good tool to, to use at times if, if you can. And it's not for everybody, but it's, it's a useful one if you can. Yeah. But it kind of ties in, I suppose, in my guise as trainer and what have you. My, I see my, I'm not, I'm not an expert in stuff. I read mm-hmm. a lot, and I think if anything, my expertise is to pick some common threads out in order to then teach it. That's all. I'm not like an expert in stress or anything like that. Um, and I think part of that thinking, I'm always going, how can you simplify this down? And I mm. think if you're looking at the idea of your thinking and your feelings, they kind of, as you said, they happen in your brain, you know, for whatever. There's all sorts of triggers. They're there, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Just because you think a thing or feel a thing doesn't mean it's true. It's kind of Absolutely. where I always start. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right, they come and go. But it's it's when we add on expectation and judgment that, that we get into the, the, the bother with it. Mm-hmm. And I think having experiences with anxiety over the years, one of the things that I've found useful is that word acceptance, and it's the acceptance commitment therapy. Um, mm. Even though okay. I haven't yeah, read yeah, yeah. deeply into it, I it's a bit like the feel the fear and do it anyway book i didn't need to read the book the title kind of said all i needed to say <laughs> yeah, do you yeah. know what i mean uh, i'm i'm under i'm kind of playing down the value of acceptance commitment therapy there but the point of it is that in accepting you have these thoughts and feelings that's not giving into them it's not rolling over it's not then being victim to those thoughts and feelings mm-hmm, it's accepting mm-hmm. a reality they come and they go and you'll have yes. loads of them yes do after that is where you take back some of the power or make things harder for yourself. And in terms of that, that um, one of the most, the best things I picked up from acceptance commitment therapy, the one of the books that I read was it used the analogy of quicksand mm-hmm. and anxiety and the mm-hmm. idea that the, what you know, you get stuck in quicksand, like these old cowboy movies, you know, somebody runs in and gets stuck in the quicksand. Through a vine or, or a stick or whatever uh, it might be. <laughs> they resist and they resist and they sink yeah. down. And, and what you're not supposed to do with quicksand is resist and struggle because yes. it sucks you in. You're yeah, supposed to, right relax lie back and get somebody to chuck a a horse's leg in or something whatever it is you know (laughs) maybe not a horse leg you know but um (laughs) or some reins what i meant i meant throw a horse's leg in there not a horse's leg quickly get get neddy's foot where's it get the gg get the gg yeah well you know i mean oh there boy pull out with the other the other three legs it's got no hands off it you've got no fingers anyway yeah. So the point is that you you allow you allow the acceptance of where you're at to to mm-hmm. work with you. So for me, that quicksand analogy has been one of the best things like I've that. come across with anxiety. Is right. I'm feeling. I'm having. I'm having for whatever reason an anxious day. For example, um, rather than doing what I would normally do, which is crank up the intensity by trying to stop the thoughts, mm-hmm. beat myself up, criticize myself for how how rubbish I am. I I and it takes practice. And, it, and, you know, I don't always succeed, but it's kind of that, okay, you're just feeling anxious. It is what it is. 
accept it. That is not so. That's not giving in to it. No, it's no. actually not giving it the power it it probably wants. To be fair, I agree. Um, I think and that's what I was thinking really with the Rosie conversation. And um, I guess going back to it is is the the idea of these stories that we tell ourselves. The more you dwell on those stories rather than accepting them for what they are stories you know mm-hmm. things that come yeah, yeah. thoughts scripts that we have mm-hmm. around certain mm-hmm. situations or whatever um we can then start to work with that more constructively does that mm. make sense no absolutely like, allow- i totally i get you i think now there's a lot in there isn't there now to go if we if i was to reverse back into what we're about the story we tell ourselves i think that what we always what we'll all hear about the comfort zone yeah and you know how you need to step out of your comfort zone to learn or or the the I forget who said this you know iron sharpens iron you know you've got to get you've got to be at the very cusp of of learning and right. there is uh, i i think that there is a a balance in that i think that if much like if you were to go at the gym you work hard, you put your body through lots of stress, lots of tension, lifting, throwing, jumping, whatever. But you also need that rest. Mm. So if you work hard, then you do need to rest hard. Yeah. And there is a need for that balance. Yeah. Where you have, I'm, I'm working this, I'm really, but if your body isn't catching up in that rest period, then you need to be able to find a way of of finding some sort of rest, otherwise you're going to burn out, injury, whatever. You're not going to you're not going to reach your, your potential. Now, when when we think about the stories we tell ourselves, in a way, we have to be able to put ourselves under a certain amount of stress to learn to go forward, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But we also need to maintain that recovery period, that self soothing the ability to relax and and let things go through that's why we have the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system the one with the other there needs to be that healthy balance within that i think we're, we're kind of coming along this it's, it feels as if that this we talk about a connection of balance in, in this now that you do need to find that way in which that there is uh I can't think of the word now. What would it be like a, without going to sounds like a homeostasis, mm. you know, there needs to be something in which the, we have a, a nice cycle of balance in that. Because yeah. if, if you do too much of one or too much of the other, it's going to, it's not going to, it's not going to end in the place we want to end. You know, we want to try and get that pro- progression. But it, if, when, when we think about how we learn and the stories we tell ourselves, by the way, sorry, this is something I wanted to say at the start of the podcast, but I've, and I'm, I'm doing a Billy Connolly and going right back to, to something here. We, we need to look after ourselves and we need to be able to say, right, okay, if I'm going to get somewhere, if I'm going to get anywhere, if I'm going to get progression, if I'm just going to fight those battles, if I'm going to find that change, I need to find that balance. I need to be able to put that in place. And when we go about, we talked about where I brought this down, that positive pragmatic thinking then that rest recovery also needs to be in that positive pragmatic thinking because that and for me that will be the part of the pragmatic part in that right well i do want to uh go and learn to fly that plane but 
at the same time, there's no point in me trying to do seven, 12 hour days trying to learn this, this flight because I'd either have no other time for myself, no other time for my loved ones, my family. Uh, how will I live other than that to sustain your know, house I live in or what have you? It needs to be balance. That balance is so important. It is all about balance in my mind. Yeah. So here's the thing then, because this comes back to where I think it comes back to those thoughts and feelings and what have you. They're, they're what make up the stories around things. And I know in CBT it talks about scheme or cognitive cycle. It talks about schema mm. and scripts, doesn't it? But yeah, 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 if yeah. we take it, if we take it down, the thoughts and feelings collect together in themes, don't they? Like, you know, genres. Um, so you talk about balance, and I totally agree. And I think one of the things I struggled with and still do is that some of the stories I tell myself mm. is that I don't deserve to rest or have in the past that you're not worthy until you are, you know, you haven't earned it until you've burnt yourself out or until mm-hmm. you've worked mm-hmm. hard. And this is what I mean about the stories. What are the stories we tell ourselves and how are they driving us? How are they directing mm-hmm. that aircraft, I guess, yeah. just to keep that metaphor going? Mm-hmm. Um, and are they making you fly through a storm that you really you should ground the plane for a while yeah, and yeah, rest, yeah, yeah, or yeah, you know yeah. change the pilot over and genuinely relax because one of the things that I struggled with and I think it was a, a habitual it became a habit was the always on thing was that um you have a story that the world is uh well a story about yourself as in you're not worthy you know you 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 you're a fool you're a this that and the other that actually there's then a fear that the world will find out and that potentially any comment that somebody makes towards you is them showing me that they have seen the real yeah. foolish me. And, and yeah. I'm kind of, I'm talking about stories that, you know, probably many of us have, the imposter syndrome, I was about to say fear imposter around, syndrome. you know, those kinds of things. But I mean, these are stories that I have and I st- they're still there. And this is where you're kind of thinking, well, you can quote them over, but actually if they're still there, they can come, they can, they kind of add to a level of anxiety underneath that you're not addressing because you're still tense. Even though you're talking mm. positively to yourself or dealing with things positively, if that story has not been shifted or changed or is unresolved, then it's going to lead to tension because it affects, it affects how you still interpret the Yeah, world. yeah, yeah. So yeah. one of yeah. the, one of the things that, and, it, and it's a, a model, um, that's useful in coaching. I think it's an NLP model. Uh, Richard uh, Robert Diltz, I think, is the fellow. He talks about the logical levels. Um, and he talks about the fact that we interact with our thinking and our interaction with the world, world and others works at different levels. And, and at the, he talks about it as a pyramid. And at the bottom of the pyramid is environment. So mm-hmm. we engage and interact with our environment and the world around mm-hmm. us. Then we have our um, actions and behaviors, so we do things in that, you know, the actions and the things that we do. Then we have our capabilities and they're the skills and the, the attributes that we bring. Maybe the things that we don't believe, you know, that we don't, the skills that we don't have as well as mm-hmm. the skills mm-hmm. that we do. Then we'll have our beliefs and values. And at the top of that pyramid is identity. How do we, how do we identify ourselves in the world, you know? And- Interesting. That, 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 that for, to me, that formulation, I would have turned on its head. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm probably not, you know, for a, for a, for an audible podcast, probably not the best explanation. But the point of it is, I think that a simple example. If I'm wanting to, you know, January the first is around the around the corner. Everybody says, yes, New Year's resolution. I'm going to start a diet. So what do they do? Environment. I change my environment. I'll empty the cupboards out. I'll put healthy food in, um, and then the action and behavior. The next level up is I'll follow a plan, a diet plan. 
But then I might realize in terms of my capabilities that I need to learn a bit more about food and nutrition, blah, blah, blah. So I need to develop my capabilities. But if at some point my beliefs and values aren't addressed, and this is where I'm talking about that underlying stuff, I can change my environment all I want. I can do different things and I can learn stuff about the practical skills-based stuff. And that can affect that deeper level to an extent. But if it's really stuck and and knotted and gnarly, then Mm. you're hitting a wall because you're your actions and your behaviors and your environment are going to hit that that grinding resistance of mm-hmm. well what's the point i'm turning 50 my metabolism's low i'm never going to lose weight i mean i'm only going to be this and i'm not going to be you know all, all this and who am i to think i can and all of those beliefs and without getting honest about that core that core narrative there mm-hmm. without getting honest that it exists it's like driving with the brakes on you know, like I'm, I'm using another metaphor. I'm, I'm putting all my foot down on the accelerator in that car or that aircraft, but I'm, I'm like somehow putting the resistance on by putting my foot on the brakes. And at some point, we need to recognize that, well, if I tackle that narrative underneath, mm-hmm. um, recognize it's there, recognize and do things. And, and, mm-hmm. and I was wondering whether dialectical behavior therapy has a, a point there on that, because obviously I'm not an expert on that. But can we shift? Can we challenge? Can we mitigate or manage our our deeper stories that we tell ourselves in a way that then at least doesn't get in the way of the, the goals that we want to achieve? But more than that, hopefully shifts us, you know, complements. Yeah. Now with DBT is what I know about it anyway, is that we have these thoughts, you know, we have opinions and thoughts, but we have facts. Yeah. So all facts can also be a thought and, and or an opinion. Yeah. But not all opinions and thoughts are facts. Yeah. And we look about absolute truth, relative truth, and truth that evolves over time. Okay. And those are where that I think and that actually if if I go back to the the facts thing, that not all opinions are facts. All facts can can be opinions sometimes because we can actually come about find the truth ourselves. You know, my my opinion see this is where we're going to, I wouldn't say my opinion of gravity, but I suppose if Newtonian or Einstein, but you know, my, I have an opinion that gravity is real. Mm. That is a fact. Gravity is a law of nature. Mm-hmm. Some people may, some non-scientists may disagree, but I'm just, we're going to run with this, right? with this well, analogy. Well, you, you make pick a point about a child, maybe, you know, the fact is if they touch something hot, they're going to, it's going to feel hot. But at that point, they're still trying to form their understanding of the world, whether you'd call it opinion or not. But if they go and touch it, they'll suddenly mm. they'll form a quick opinion yes. of the situation, whatever you call it, as that hurts, cry. Yeah, but actually, it is a fact in there. So I get what you're saying. I think yeah. So like it could well put the imagine they put the hand in hot water. Yeah. Now their opinion is there. Then all water is hot until they find cold water. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So. Um, there, there is there, there is a, a much simpler analogy than the yeah. original I was going for. You can use it that, that the child puts hand. Oh, that that water is hot. All water must be hot. Well, that's not the case because you have many yeah. different variations of it. Yeah. And there's a talk about that we only deal with facts. If in the in that DVD framework again, I'm not a trained professional. Don't say that. I'm this is just my own knowledge of it. That um, only deal with facts we can't deal with opinions if you don't you, so they can't say that person hates me well, how do you know well i can just tell 
is that a fact or is that an opinion? That's an opinion, it's not a fact. You can't, we don't, we don't work with opinion, opinions here, we're only working with the facts. Yeah. And that's about how the look about relationships, right. Right. Yeah. In, interpersonal effectiveness and yeah. um, emotional regulation, things like that. It's, 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 it's very interesting, actually, the, yeah. the, the framework. So that, that's a good way, because firstly, if you were, I'm kind of picking back up on the, the stories that you tell yourself. So if you, mm. if you deny or just try to ignore that you have these stories, you're not giving yourself the chance to, to actually challenge it. Yes. You know? yeah, so yeah, yeah. if you were to say, right, hang on a minute, I know that one of my stories is I'm not worthy. And that mm-hmm. everybody, you know, everybody thinks I'm a fool or just whatever it is, you know. Mm. I know that they're my, the stories that I've lived with, whatever. So I'm accepting that. That doesn't mean I'm giving into it or I'm going to suddenly live my life like that's true. I'm going to accept that it's there so that when I find I'm thinking that or catch myself, I then have a number of things I can do. One of which is perfect. to say, is that true? Absolutely perfect. Yeah, of course it's perfect. true. It always is. Well, no, what makes it true? And to kind of, so again, I'm going to use metaphors here because this is the way I think, but like I'll put that thought or that story in the, in the, in the witness box and I'll cross-examine it. I'll challenge it. Do you know I, what I mean? I, I like that. Um, that's, a, that's good, that. I like that. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yeah. Because, yeah, because what what ways do you have to shift that story? Um, it'll not change unless you get to grips with it, unless mm-hmm. you do something. But how do you do it? And the resistance, like the quicksand analogy, is that you you stuff it down. You say, stop thinking that. Stop doing that. And and. and to me, that kind of that intensifies it because all you're going to yes, do is monitor absolutely. whether you're thinking it. You're not doing anything yeah. about. It. Whereas if you say, "Okay, I'm thinking this," or "I'm anxious today," or "I believe this," okay, what mm-hmm. makes you think that? Let's challenge it in some way, or let's mm-hmm. look at the results that I'm getting because I've changed my environment and my actions, and I've learned how to have that diet. Look at the results you're getting from that. That changes mm-hmm. that. You know, mm-hmm. so there is where you can look for evidence outside yeah, yeah, in the yeah. world as well. Or, that's it. I like that. I think that's that's. I think it's it's really important that. If we do have these thought processes, unwanted thoughts or these obtrusive thoughts, mm. whatever they may be, it's it's great that we're right. Okay, that thought's there. Gonna let it be there. Eventually, it'll pass. Or now that it's there, I'm going to do something else about it. Yeah. To then show that actually it is only a thought. It's um, not that it's. Um, not necessarily maladaptive, but it's just, it's an incorrect thought. It's, mm. it's something that's appeared in my mind for every reason, but it's there now. I'm going to let it be there and I'm going to go and do something else to show that actually when I do have that thought in the future that I have, I have evidence or facts to fight that mm. opinion. You know? Here's where it gets a little bit more nuanced, I think, is that there are times when perhaps you've done something and you have made a fool of yourself mm. or you have done something silly so it actually can reinforce the story but again what we need to do is recognize that actually okay let's be honest about it you could have done that better or this or this particular Mm -hmm. thing but that does not mean so again it's kind of coming back to not getting generalized about your uh, reinforcement Mm. so Mm. i'm kind of i suppose you know the cbt approach is to recognize your thinking faults generalization black and white thinking catastrophic catastrophize Try again you know, the get them out of set of teeth rather yeah. so but those things it's kind of being being prepared to be present with the uncomfortable painful thought in the first place because if you're not then you're going to want to push it away stuff it down and this is the thing mm. about emotions and feelings you know is 
that and I'm using the delusional positive thinking aspect of it a way to quote and to deny that it's there mm-hmm, by quickly mm-hmm, saying, mm-hmm. Oh no, but I am happy. And, uh, you know, every day, every way I'm getting stronger and stronger, all that kind of stuff. But actually if deep down you don't believe it, it's, it doesn't work. I, know, I believe in, if... I believe, you know, positive self-talk, I absolutely do. And mantras to an extent, as so long as they're based in believable truths that you can handle, you know, that you, yes. you know, it doesn't intensify yes. a sense of, that's a lot of, that's a lot of bollocks that, you know, <laughs> if I say that I'll fly enough, I will eventually be picked up. Yeah. You know, yeah, like uh, like Thor and his hammer, he just yeah. flies off and sk- yeah. yeah. I know. I think you've now. Hang on, what was I thinking? You you, you made a really good point before. Now I was going to. Oh yes, that was it. So if if you think about it, there are times in which we are uncomfortable with the facts. Mm. Yeah, you know, you're right. What if we have made a fool of ourselves for whatever reason, or we've done something embarrassing? As I said at the start of the podcast. I will refuse to believe that some somebody in this earth says, no, no, I'm a fully grown adult and I've never, ever made a mistake. Mm. Well, nonsense. But it is, ta- it is a really, I think, important skill and a major life skill, actually. If we can find ways in which that we are comfortable and being uncomfortable. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. That, to me, is something that we can build resilience on. We can get through difficult times. We use acceptance. And then eventually, we find change. It could be that we, are, we have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. An example is our current climate of this COVID. For me, I realized that I had to start being comfortable in the uncomfortable, you know, not being able to go out as much or only going out at certain times, not seeing uh, friends and family um, in the manner in which that you would wish to see them, not be able to go in certain places, restaurants, pubs, you know, all that business. My, the gym, for instance, just closed. Well, that means I'm, I'm going to have to find a way around those things. And the pragmatic, positive thinking that we've talked about, the PPT, which I think is a nice little, <laughs> you can have yeah. that day for next time. Right. The PPT about this is thinking, right, well, I'm going to put these thoughts into actions as well. So I've got positive self-talk. I'm going to put little plans in place mm. that I can achieve and become comfortable in the uncomfortable. Right. So there's a couple of things that popped out. One is you kind of then because you've addressed that you've been real about your, your thoughts, you're working back out of that pyramid, if you like, back through, right, capabilities, actions, and environment. Because then not only is that affecting or hopefully influencing your beliefs and, and values and identity, mm-hmm. but you're, yeah. you can shift things that can then shift the environment and the actions and the things you're going to do rather than being like, there's nothing I can do, being powerless, right? Well, I can take action, I can do this. What can I do mm-hmm. rather than what I can't do? Um, which I think is um is a key part of it i guess the thing question is or that popped up in my mind there was what's wrong with being uncomfortable oh i i think i think there is nothing wrong in that being comfortable when i mentioned a little while ago about the work and the rest and and all that and the stress sometimes you need that yeah you do need it yeah but we can't Again, we can't always be at the forefront of that stress, of that edge. Some, yeah. Sometimes for progression, you do need to be at that, you know, we both do CrossFit. 
Now, if you and I are going to get stronger while doing CrossFit, we're going to have to lift heavier weights. Yeah. That's just how it is. But you can't lift, say, say you and I, right, we go and we're going to, right, we're going to, we're going to do a, per, a personal record, a PR, uh, and we're going to try and PR 50 kilos more on a back squat than we normally would. We'll fold like a concertina. You yeah. know what I mean? I'll have become the shortest by alive because my feet will be touching my knee, um, touch my chin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. But exactly. You need that. You need. You do need that uncomfortable part at times, but over the long term, we have to be able to find that comfort. Otherwise, yeah. we'll have burnout, stress, toxic stress, absolutely trauma. Yeah. We need to be able to find once again that balance. Yeah. And that's that difference between constantly driving yourself and then, you know, not accepting that you need to just take some time out and it's okay. It's not weakness. It's not, you know, it's not being pathetic or whatever. It's actually part of it. There was a model, I can't remember where, who or where I I heard of it. It's, It's basically, it's a balance between wear and repair. So Ooh, you're wearing like yourself yes, yes. out. And in order to do yeah, that, you yeah. need to have time for repair. Now, that I think that comes from like um, a physical fitness type analogy, but it's the same psychologically and emotionally, isn't it? We do mm. need, and, and you look at resilience, psychological resilience. We need challenge and we need adversity, don't we? We yes. need that to grow, to feel, to feel, I don't know, it's a human need, isn't it? It's some evolutionary thing that we need challenge to feel alive, I guess. Yeah. But I'm writing that as you down said, like that too way, much, okay. too much of that, like lifting too many heavy weights can lead to mm-hmm. injuries. I think the same psychologically and emotionally. I agree. So I agree. Where, what point do we say, I have just been through the absolute mill here, or this has been one of them days or weeks or months, time out. Yeah. And I'm going to take that comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. It, time out. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I often, I'm just thinking about it now, you know, the comfort zone, comfort stretch, panic zones, you know, that kind of the three circles mm. uh, and that your your future, your success lies in your stretch zone and all of that kind of stuff, getting out of your comfort zone. Totally true. We need to stretch yourselves and, and what have you. And sometimes a little bit moving towards the panic within reason and whether you support it can be useful as long as you've got a support network around you and it doesn't turn into a traumatic event because i think sometimes the traumatic events are when you feel completely out of control helpless and it really can damage you but what's wrong with your comfort zone i think that the thing is that people forget to stress that actually as you said there your comfort zone is not a bad place it's an important vital place and part of that mix we spend too much time in the comfort zone we can get you know, we can kind of lose ourselves and lose motivation morale, but t- spend too much time in the others. As you said, we get burned out. Comfort zone is not the, pu- the, the, the bad area of this circle. And I think sometimes it's not said that it isn't, but because it, because it isn't said that it's important, it's kind of assumed mm. it's, a, a, it's for the lazy, you know. That kind yeah, of- yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think, so I think it's still possible to get performance, or however you want to talk about it, in the comfort zone. So if we take you on a, the, well, let's call it um, comfort stretch toxic, right? Or whatever. You can still, you want to be in the stretch. You want to be in and out of the comfort and the stretch, I think. That's yep. where it needs to be. In yep. out, in out. But it doesn't mean that you can't also perform at some level whilst at the comfort zone. And... Mm. If we think about it, oh, now I always get these mixed up. So it's either um, epidemiological or it's uh, anthropological. 
if if we weren't in the comfort zone as a growing society civilization where food was no longer scarce neither was shelter neither was an ability to grow your population so our as as a as a as a, as a race we weren't worrying about the nearest lion behind the rock or the pack of wolves coming over the horizon we were in you know a sheltered village town city whatever in which that then eventually art music uh creativity was able to grow now that might have been that growth may well have been within the comfort zone because actually we said we had a surplus of food we're not going to starve we've got lots of shelter no predators all of a sudden as a race we're not you know um hunter gatherer we live on homesteads in big groups where we can all look after each other well we now have time to talk and create stories create art as i said create um clothing painting whatever you want to call it in which that we're able to then grow together mm. and take ourselves further intellectually yeah. right philosophy uh, we're able to understand things in, in science uh, and grow from there now again that 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 there arguably may have been in our collective comfort zone yeah but it was yeah it gave us ability to 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 grow still in that way yeah and and um you when you're talking about that you we're kind of touching on happiness in a sense that that you know um people often say well money doesn't make you happy this that and the other but there's clear link between poverty and depression and and levels of of happiness Mm. but if we can nudge people into that area where they have enough um Mm -hmm. To allow that the basics, as you say, I suppose it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, isn't it? The, yeah. The, yeah, 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 the basics yeah. are taken care of. We can allow people to explore those other things collectively as well as individually. Mm. Then happiness levels increase. And yes, there's a point of diminishing returns, yeah. but that that's the sweet spot. And yeah, I, you know, that's moving us into a comfort zone in, in that sense, isn't it? So that's an interesting way of looking at it. The other thing that kind of sprung to my mind was when you mentioned about performance is, is that not where... Um, you know, Mikhail Chinzenko Mikhali's flow thing, his, his concept of flow. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, sorry, yes. Where he talks, flow. his research yes. was about, you know, that, you know, highly, highly trained athletes, for example, um, they're, if they're competing, they, they kind of can enter this state of flow where mm-hmm. it's a different state of mind. They're so well trained that they're not having to think about every action or the t- the tactics or m- the way that they're, they're running. Yes. And they enter a different state. And that's been associated with high performance, but also well-being as well. For those like artists, yeah. you lose yourself and concept of time. Now, to me, is that partly your comfort zone? Because you've tra- it's that phrase, you've trained hard and you're playing easy. You know, you, mm. you're training so hard that when it comes to the competition, and I, I know you've got the stress of the competition, so I'm kind of probably mixing the two. But like, you enter, you, if you enter a state of flow, is that partly that comfort area? Because you've done the training that allows you to step into a different level yeah you know? there will be yes i think um, you're right i think i think the that flow I, I i like that i've got there is some books on my bookcase they're about this actually and how that they become that the individual becomes so efficient and proficient yeah. at what they do they do it without thinking and a lot of that will be in those high-level sportsmen, like the Michael Jordans of this world, where if he does think about it too much, 
Yeah. It, the, 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 either the timing will be out or the, the, the game happens so quickly that it, it, it'll be too slow for him to then get off the shot or make the pass. Yeah. Similar in, um, you know, football, across too soon or too late or a shot too late early, the keeper saves it. You know, it's about knowing when these these many, 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 many occasions they've gone through in the training, that 10,000 hour rule, I think, probably comes into this, yeah. where they recognize situations, where they recognize times which will actually, if they thought about it, it would be too late. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, that 10,000 hour rule, that was the Malcolm Gladwell, didn't he? He brought that in tipping point. He brought that up. Yeah, yeah. Um, was it outliers? No, 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 it was outliers. outliers. It? it was, outliers, was originally sorry. done by a, a Swedish Yeah, was it Ericsson? Research called... That's it. That's it. Yeah, I can't remember. But it's been challenged, but I think what, what his point has been was, challenged. Um, that it's not just 10,000 hours, it's, it's deliberate, present, mindful yes. practice on the activity where you master your craft to the point that. That's it. That's it the majority of what you do, whether you're a cellist of, you know, a musician, an artist or whatever, you, 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 your brain, the, the back office automatic stuff is able to handle the vast majority. So you can kind of enter that state of flow. And I, I mean, I'm, this is, I guess, in terms of it coming back to the stories of tell ourselves is that, mm. does that, you know, these things that you tell yourself, if you're, if you're driving yourself because you're not worthy, you're doing this, that, and the other, do you ever give yourself a chance to enter that state? Because, um, you don't ever allow yourself to truly relax if you're if you're telling yourself that story, or if your story is such that you know I can do this. You know, the, um, is it Thorpe? What what they call the swimmer? Um, oh yeah, yeah the torpedo. Yeah, Ian Thorpe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he used to have a, a routine that he stuck religiously to um, before his swimming, and, and his coach would say, "Put the tape in," and he would like visualize the swim totally. You know, and it would be the wow. same thing. Now that's that's creating a, a positive, like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. visualization or story that um is is serving him it served him to however many goals seven or eight i think whereas others other of us can have stories that get in the way and that's what fascinates me i guess mm-hmm. coming back around full circle is how do we recognize what we're telling ourselves about ourselves and others and how others see us or the world is you know it's just the way it is the world's unfair and this that and the other and you know i don't deserve this whatever we're telling ourselves and it gets in the way potentially of us achieving more or just feeling more at ease finding peace in our day absolutely you know, that kind absolutely. of thing. absolutely absolutely uh, so two two stories and i don't know if the first one is a myth or not right but this is something that i heard in an interview i think uh, gary lineker or one of the you know the the england players from the nine, early 90s late 80s said so apparently gazza's getting ready to go out and play for england as it Kazza gives a pair of shorts. He like holds them up. He's just he's not happy. He says, "I just can't. These aren't my normal shorts. And I can't. I can't wear these." Goes to Kit Man. Kit says, "Kit Man, hey, I can't have these." You know, get now. You know, Gaza's already got this reputation of being a little bit, you know, eccentric and have his idiosyncrasies and what have you. So the Kit Man's like, "Yeah, no bother." Kit Man walks out right to the, to the train, to the the changing room. Literally just turns them around. So. When how Gaza gave them, now the other side is facing right. Gaza. Gaza goes, there you are. Puts them on. Ah, they're perfect. They're, they're the right ones. So <laughs> those stories, and then the, the one which I'm pretty certain is true, um, beef, uh, back to Michael Jordan, in his first stint with the Chicago Bulls, he only would wear his 
college shorts. Right. He wouldn't wear the Chicago Bulls shorts. So he had the college shorts underneath and then he had the Chicago shorts on top. Right. So, but why would he, why would either player need to do that? Arguably, Gaza being one of the greatest technical footballers of a generation, he doesn't need to have a random pair of England shorts. Michael Jordan, well, possibly one of him or Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, to one of the greatest ever basketball players yeah. to ever you know, play on the court. Why do they need to have these two pairs of shorts, which really are nothing but nylon or cotton or polyester or whatever they may be? Yeah. What are they? What are the stories that they are telling themselves? And here's the thing. Exactly. And that's why you find a lot of ritual and superstitious kind mm-hmm. of habitual behaviors that yeah, they, yeah, you know, yeah. sports people use as part of the routine. And whether they're true or not is irrelevant. It's the fact that it for them, it helps to get them into that state Mm -hmm. it's helping their brain click in it's removing friction and this is what fascinates me for day-to-day basis is how many of us are carrying around that baggage or that stuff that creates friction where you know if if wearing some the right shorts can just be that difference for for that for michael jordan Mm -hmm. what is it that we could be shifting in terms well in anything that could help just remove that bit of friction for us um, you know, in our day and, and, and recognizing that. And, you know, it could be, you know, having your little habits and routines that remind you actually you are worthy. And, you know, I've got a friend who does mirror work and they, they kind of uh, stands in front of the mirror and tells himself he loves himself like 10 times. And that's his mm-hmm. ritual. I, you know, well, I, I won't comment on it, but it works for him. Do you know what I mean? I Well, yeah. I will comment it. I've tried it and it feels incredibly uncomfortable for me to do. But does that mean he's wrong to do it and I'm, or I'm right or I'm wrong and he's right? We don't know. No, Either yeah, yeah. It, it, it works, works for the person, him. doesn't it? Yeah, it yeah, works yeah, exactly. For him. And, exactly. You no, know, I could persist and I might find it works for me or I could try it for the rest of my life and it just might not work. I don't know. It's, it's about what clicks and is right for us. I agree. And I how agree. do we shift? And I guess that's partly going back to, again, the point of the, 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 the interviews that I'd be looking for is how can we take whatever somebody shares to back to just day-to-day life, you know, mm-hmm. helping me daughter mm-hmm. have that trouble-free night of sleep or helping me feel just that little bit more confident when I got onto a webinar or um, or I'm writing something and I'm crippled with writer's block, this so-called writer's block, whatever it is. You know, these things yeah, are getting yeah, in the yeah, way yeah. for all of us. Um, that's, what's fa- that's what I'm f- excited about. And these conversations we have kind of helps to think about things differently and reframe and make connections that perhaps we've never, I've never thought mm. about in that way before. I think, no, I think that's good. That- uh, go, going back to what works and so I'm going to go from your friend to the conversation that you may even have with your daughter as well it's, it is it's 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 about what works mm. because we may it may not work for you or me in fact but it does work for him mm. similarly what I might do to sign myself up to go and do a I don't know a, a, a quite a difficult workout or to have a difficult conversation at work or in an, going for a very important interview might not work for other people. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, we've been talking about him outside the podcast, but Matthew McConaughey, there's a scene in Wolf uh, of Wall Street where he's opposite Leonardo DiCaprio and he starts yes. beating his chest. Yeah. Now, allegedly, that was completely ad-libbed. 
by McConaughey. Right. And it's actually something that he allegedly, again, that he does before a take. Right. And Leo, Leo DiCaprio's reaction of what the hell's going on is him looking to the crew <laughs> right. to say, what the hell is he doing? Now, that beating of the chest thing, that might work for Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? So here's my little part and thought, because we're, we're, we're yes, obviously we have we're to wrap this up, now. I guess, yeah, but yeah. Like, obviously I'll hand over to you to, to give your part and thoughts. But my part and thought is, why don't we treat our each of us like ourselves? Why don't we view ourselves as that professional athlete or that professional actor, that professional artist or musician? Why don't we just say in our heads, you know what? I am the professional me and I deserve to have my own and create and craft and test out and try and settle on routines, rituals and habits mm-hmm. and ways of challenging my thinking and getting it into a better place. I deserve to have that myself. You know, it's not just for that, for Matthew McConaughey, the multi-million dollar actor. It's not yeah. just Michael Jordan. It's me. Cause I'm a professional me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I suppose my part and thought on that is why not? Why can't we each do that for ourselves? I think that's really good. I, I, I'm actually going to borrow that and add it into something that I'm going to add. So why can't we do it for ourselves? And is it because, A, we're actually lacking in, our, in the compassion for ourselves? Are we lacking in our understanding of ourselves? Yeah. But mm. there are people who will then listen to this and go, well, I can't do that. I just, I've, yeah, I've yeah. tried everything. Yeah. But if, if you have tried everything, okay. But have you actually tried as Dave's saying, being a professional you in thinking, well, what would I do or what can I do with the time that I have to get the things that I want? And can I make those, can I I accept, sorry, those things that I can't actually have right now, but by accepting those things that I can't have right now, I can make the particular changes. Yeah. True, like it. Okay, cool. There was one thing that flagged up there is the, the idea of loving yourself. And that might be far too much of a leap. But why not just not like disliking yourself a little bit less? Do you know what I mean? It's yes. making it something that's manageable. Yes. So even if we're talking about all oh, the professional me, that's too big a leap. I couldn't think. Well, what about adding, you know, one little routine that just removes one tiny bit of friction? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from the system for you and yeah that's that's what i'm I, I mean i talk cabbages and sprouts and i could probably get in that another episode but like for me the cabbages are the big challenges but you don't go you don't try to eat the cabbage all at once you slice it down chunk it down into sprout sized chunks yeah, the sprout yeah, yeah, yeah. chunks. if you make one sprout size change one small change and apply it consistently every day you'll make far more progress in a month or a year than you would if you try to go to cabbage all hell for leather and then forget it after a week you'll make far mm. more progress in those small changes. So Absolutely. What, what one thought? Like to me, what one thought could I do with challenging or changing? I think in that's, fact, that's a good question to, to go away and think on for myself. Actually. Mm. Okay, well, that's a wrap, mate. I think that's episode one on, in the can. Excellent. Thank you, very, thank you for joining us and see you on the next time. Take care.